You're listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Tuesday, July 14th. If you appreciate what we discuss and share in Mental Health Monday, I think you're really going to appreciate today's conversation as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, some some really good stuff. Uh, good stuff. That's not that doesn't even like do it justice. It doesn't even cut it. It's it going to be great. Great <laughs> uh, w- when it comes to. Um, caring for one another and uh what is what is counseling what is christian counseling uh looking forward to digging into that so i'll i'm not going to do it any justice here in the the preview (laughs) thanks to concordia (laughs) university wisconsin thank you concordia university wisconsin for supporting the coffee hour find out more about concordia university wisconsin at cuw.edu live uncommon joining us this morning the reverend dr richard mars associate professor of practical theology and director of the mdiv and residential uh, alternate route programs at concordia seminary st louis also author of making christian counseling more christ-centered dr mars thanks for joining us on the coffee hour today well thank you guys very much for having me it's a pleasure so you have a you have a new book out and uh some a, a number of of workshops and and uh uh, learning opportunities for for pastors for laity uh continuing education opportunities really just uh looking forward to sharing that with our listeners all uh, surrounded uh, around this this topic of christian counseling and what is christian counseling and how can it be more christ-centered and actually one of them was uh, your sponsor that you just mentioned concordia university of wisconsin so oh. we'll get that in there soon so yes yes yeah. that's coming up in september so uh, yeah we'll talk about that here in just yeah. a little bit as well when you when someone says christian counseling what comes to mind when you hear that dr mars well for a lot of people yeah it can mean a lot of things it can't just mean a christian who happens to be doing counseling in a secular field largely but it can also mean uh, a Christian counselor who's specifically bringing theology and scripture into the counseling work that they do because they see the gospel of Christ as being the main comfort. Uh, I tell people when I was uh, a psychology professor at uh, Concordia University Chicago, I was teaching a personality theory course one time, and I found myself thinking while I was teaching the course, I'm spending all this time talking about Freud and Skinner and Rogers and all these important psychologists who are important people, but I was only spending about 10% of my five or 10% of my time talking about who I thought was most important, probably, probably less than 10, probably 5% of my time, who was Jesus, who was the greatest comforter, the greatest rescuer, the greatest psychologist uh, the world had ever known. And that was when I, decided in my late 30s to go to the seminary, become a pastor, um, and then eventually then become a seminary professor when the Concordia Seminary St. Louis called me to teach pastoral counseling there. So, so yeah, it can mean a wide variety of things. Um, we Lutherans have not been a very big voice in the field of Christian counseling, though, and that's been unfortunate. There are more than 50,000 Christian counselors around the United States Actually, that belong to one professional organization, the AACC, the American Association of Christian Counseling. So I'm sure there's more that don't belong to that organization. 
but uh, more than 50,000. But when I go to those conferences, I estimate it's probably 1% or 2% Lutheran, and we just don't see each other because there's not a Lutheran organization per se. Uh, and there just haven't been very many Lutherans writing Christian counseling books. Um, when I was just getting started, I remember taking a class with Dr. Martin Henschke in 1981 here at the seminary. I was just in the MA program at that point, not planning on being a pastor. And he had us read one of the early Christian counseling books that was out called Competent to, Competent to Counsel by Jay Adams. And all of us in the class read it, and we said, well, we like how biblical he is. We like that he's not saying the same things that, like Rogers and Skinner and so forth, the uh, the secular psychologists are, but we're still uncomfortable with what he's written. We don't know why. And Dr. Hinsky just kind of let us float around in discussion for 10 minutes or so and then looked at us all and said, well, don't you get it? Jay Adams doesn't properly distinguish law and gospel. And a light bulb went off over my head, and I think all 20 other students in the room going, oh, yeah, he's not writing this from a Lutheran perspective. And ever since then, for 40-plus years, I've been uh, reading all of the other Christian counseling books with that law and gospel perspective and realizing that it's missing. And I thought that somewhere along the line, 20 or 30 years ago, somebody would write a Luther-oriented book that helped us to to properly distinguish law and gospel and look at theology of the cross and look at old Adam, new Adam sorts of ideas and how those work into Christian counseling. And nobody did until I finally got one finished uh, last year. So uh, it's out there and and other people are reading it. And I'm very pleased to be having some influence now, both among Lutheran circles and in non-Lutheran circles as well. So, yeah, I'm now. I really want to read it. There, there, there's so many things to dig into with all of that that you just said. Um, but uh, let's can we go back to um, the concerns with Christian counseling because there are so few uh, Lutheran counselors in in Christian counseling. What are some of those mm-hmm. concerns uh, that that people may face? when they do try to uh, find a counselor who is a Christian or who does Christian counseling? Yeah, it's often done again by well-meaning people who are very biblical and, and thinking that, you know, they're doing Jesus work and they are, but you can be biblical, but still be a theologian of glory. You can be biblical, but still have kind of a law orientation. Um, Probably the most common thing that I've seen in the last 40 years is, you know, Christian counselors who say, oh, okay, you're a depressed, you're you're a Christian who's struggling with depression, you're a Christian who's struggling with anxiety. If you follow these six steps, you'll be less anxious and less depressed than you were before. And those six steps may be actually good first article kind of created grace uh, steps to take, but if they're not addressing the spiritual aspects of it, if they aren't addressing the existential meaning of life sort of issues, like does Jesus, did he really die for me? Uh, Does he love, does God really love me? What's my meaning in life? If, If they don't start addressing those second and third article questions, well, then it's just law. And so people sometimes try to implement the six steps that their Christian counselor is telling them to do. 
And when they fail at step four or five in the process, then they feel guilty and say, oh, I'm not praying hard enough. I'm not trusting God enough. Uh, I'm such a bad Christian. Where we Lutherans know you don't point people to their own prayers and wrestlings with God, as Walter said. You point people to the gospel. You point them to Jesus. You remind them again and again that he took their shame, their sin, their guilt on the cross. Uh, It's what every Lutheran pastor does in every sermon and Bible study, but there's so many Christians that don't hear that gospel because, well, I've heard another pastor on KFUO once say that evangelicals are too prone to having the gospel in their rearview mirror, that Hmm. the gospel was important when they were uh, saved, when they were first coming to faith in Jesus Christ, and they realized that they needed to have their sins forgiven. But then that was just part of their conversion. And once they're converted, then it's up to them to continue to grow in this Christian life and faith in, in God and so forth. And they don't realize as Lutherans do, as Luther did, that we need that gospel each and every day of our life because we do have this old Adam that just keeps coming up and struggling with us and telling us that we're not worthy of of forgiveness, uh, telling us that maybe, maybe we're not part of the saved, you know, whatever temptation that the old Adam uh, and the world wants to throw at us. Well, those things can only be addressed by, pointing people back to the gospel and to hopefully specific Bible verses that they can hear again for themselves and realize, oh, that does apply to me. My shame has been removed from the Garden of Eden shame, uh, and I've been clothed in a new righteousness that, that our Lord Jesus Christ has given to me in my baptism. So when we talk about a Lutheran approach to counseling to Christian counseling. When we say Lutheran, what we mean is, or it sounds like what you mean is those who make a clear distinction, uh, making clear distinctions, whether it's between law and gospel or first article gifts and uh, third article, uh, making distinctions that are clearly biblical, looking at the, the scriptures and recognizing those clear distinctions that are so necessary and important in order to properly understand who we are and 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 who we are before God and and what our role is, what God's role is in in any yeah. of this, in in recovery or whatever it might be. Yeah, but in, in a sense, we're all in a lifetime of recovery. We are all addicted, but we're addicted to sin. And how do addicts? get past their addiction to sin, well, they confess that struggle every day of their lives, and then they are renewed in the gospel every day of their lives, not because they're pulling themselves up by their own theological bootstraps, but because somebody themselves or somebody else reminds them day after day after day who Jesus is in their life and that they have been baptized into his death and resurrection. So, and it's funny, I, I actually wrote the book, and I didn't put the word Lutheran in very often. Um, I think I went back and did a word count. I, the word Lutheran is in there maybe 100 times in a 240-page book. But Luther, I put in more than 500 times. 
because my evangelical friends tell me that they like Luther, they just don't like Lutheranism. And so they don't realize that they're actually not saying something very clear to us anyway, but I just focus on Luther's theology uh, over and over and over again in the first half of the book. And then, you know, hopefully they can read Luther's theology with some new eyes and realize, oh, this Luther's theology is pretty good stuff. I think I could apply this, even if I'm not going to convert and become a Lutheran, I could apply this with the Baptists that I'm working with, with the Presbyterians I'm working with, with the Methodists that I'm working with, because I like Luther. So, mm. Well, the, the uh, Luther seal that might not be familiar to others outside of Lutheran circles is kind of a dead giveaway on the cover. <laughs> For those of us who, <laughs> although if you notice, my wife and I actually designed that. Uh, it's kind of muted on uh-huh. the edges, so that I think evangelicals just see the red heart and the black cross, and they probably ignore the rest of Luther's seal. Uh, that's how we kind of designed it, so that it's it's not as prominent a Luther seal. But yeah, Lutherans would look and go, "Oh, that's Luther seal." Uh, I'm I'm trying to focus on making Christian counseling more Christ-centered. So yeah, it's got a big red heart and a big black cross right in the very middle of it. So We're talking with Reverend Dr. Richard Mars, Associate Professor of Practical Theology, Director of the MDiv and Residential Alternate Route Programs at Concordia Seminary, author of Making Christian Counseling More Christ-Centered. He has some great workshops and learning opportunities coming up at Concordia Seminary and uh, virtual opportunities as well, online learning opportunities. We're going to talk more about those when we come back in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Eddie Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. Tuesday's Rumination Law and Gospel will include both myself, Tom Baker, and Mark Smith in preparing you to sing the hymn of the week for the following Sunday, which always focuses on the salvation won for us by the life, death, and resurrection of both Jesus and through Him, our death and resurrection. Listen to Law and Gospel weekday mornings beginning at 9.30 on KFUO. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're talking with Reverend Dr. Richard Mars, who teaches practical theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, author of Making Christian Counseling More Christ-Centered, and and uh, host and, and instructor for a number of workshops coming up at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yes, yes. Uh, it's always really great to talk about uh, this uh, the the Christ centered view of counseling. We love to talk about mental health on the coffee hour. Um, a lot of times when uh, when people are are seeking out mental health 
uh, counseling or or help, a, a first step hopefully maybe is their pastor. Um, but what to what degree are our pastors actually uh, equipped to help with uh, mental health counseling? Well, uh, yeah, not as much as they would like and not as much as I would like. Uh, all pastors take a one course in pastoral care counseling at the seminary, at least at Concordia Seminary uh, in St. Louis. Um, and we try to get a little bit of mental health issues in each one of those, but they don't, you know, and they, they will know a little bit about schizophrenia, a little bit about bipolar disorder, but not enough to be a clinician by any means. That takes two, three years of studies for a master's degree or five, six years for, uh, of studies for a PhD in counseling and psychology. So, um, but they do know that, Again, I wrote an article in 2014 in the Concordia Journal about the history of of uh, Christian counseling, um, and that article has surprisingly gotten downloaded over 2,000 times by different people uh, around the world. Uh, I was surprised when I found out a few months ago that it was being downloaded more than any other uh, article um, written by one of our faculty members in the lab, or one of two that have been written by our faculty members more. So so people are interested in this Christian counseling field, and we do have Christian counselors we can refer to, but what I'm hoping is that Lutheran pastors will take a copy of my book and share it, loan it to the non-Lutheran, the Baptist evangelical Christian counselor that they refer their parishioners to and say, hey, would you mind reading this and then could we have a discussion about it in a month or two? And then they have a chance to kind of catechize and and uh, help that person better understand Luther's theology from their perspective. And they may think I left something out that they needed to emphasize more, um, and that gives them an opportunity to, to do that if they share that with non-Lutheran Christian counselors. So, How are pastors equipped to know when to – where that, that line ends or where that line is drawn between the counsel they provide and when to make a referral to a counselor? Yeah, um, it's always hard because I tell them you don't want to over-refer because your people are still going to have spiritual issues mm-hmm. that you are more um, apt to be able to handle than any Christian counselor or any other secular counselor would. But yet the the, uh, the little teaching aid I use, I tell them if a if a parishioner walks into your office and they say, Pastor, would you sit down and pray with me for a moment? Uh, and you say, well, yeah, what are we praying about? Say, well, I have this sharp pain in the upper left part of my chest, and it's kind of shooting down my left arm, and I want that pain to go away. What would you do with a pastor? And say, well, say, yes, I will pray with you, but I want to pray with you in my car while we rush you to the hospital because you might be having a heart attack. And you as a pastor are not the experts on dealing with heart attack issues. You can't provide that treatment, but you can provide prayer during that treatment, and that is very important as well. Well, the same way, if somebody comes in and they're psychotic and they're seeing things or hearing things, or if they tell you that they feel really high one day and then really depressed for a week and then really high another day, well, they may have bipolar disorder, and you're not competent to treat bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, just like you're not competent to treat 
a heart attack, but you can get them to the right person that might be able to help them with that while you continue to pray with them and tell them that Jesus loves them and share the gospel with them in whatever uh, whatever metaphor the gospel needs to be shared with them. Because, again, the gospel doesn't just come to us in justification and forgiveness. It comes to us in scores of other sorts of metaphors that I talk about in the book, and we need to be able to address all those other metaphors as well. I'm deeply indebted to Dr. Bob Kolb and Dr. J.A.O. Preuss for all the books they've written, especially Preuss's uh, Just Words in kind of thinking those things through from a counseling perspective that he was looking at from a more of a preaching perspective. So, so then when making referrals, uh, what are some things that pastors or church workers should think about or consider uh, when making referrals to mental health professionals? I was sitting with Hal Sinkbile, director of doxology, once a few years ago when a, a pastor came up and asked him that. And he said, ask the counselors, how do you handle suffering? And that will probably tell you a lot about how they approach their theology. Is it a theology of the cross kind of intuitive for them, or is it a theology of glory that kind of avoids suffering? Uh, so that's at least one important one. But then they also just need to get to know the counselor um, you know, are they, is the counselor somebody that they've kind of intuitively like and trust? Uh, it seems like a competent person. Go and visit them in their office, get to know them by having coffee or lunch with them, <laughs> at least after COVID times. Um, <laughs> you can only get to know them over the phone or over a Zoom meeting or whatever now. But, uh, um, and the other good news is there are counselors that are readily available now over uh, telehealth, uh, teleconferencing, so video conferencing that weren't available to us before. Um, the Wisconsin Senate has their own Lutheran Child and Family Services that's nationwide, and they've become very excited about my book. They've bought more copies of my book than anybody uh, as a group, and they've distributed them to they have over 100 counselors uh, throughout the United States. And they've asked me to do a, a two-day workshop with their counselors next month as well to go in into more depth in in my book. So, yeah, Wisconsin Synod, ELS, I got the nicest email. An ELS psychologist wrote me the day after he read my book and said, I started reading your book, and I, I couldn't put it down until I finished it completely. And I went, wow, this is wonderful to hear something like that from somebody outside the Missouri Synod, from the Evangelical Lutheran Synod. So, Speaking of workshops, uh, you have a number of workshops coming up uh, around this, surrounding this topic, uh, too, in the very near future. Um, the, the first one coming up August 6th through the 8th, this is the Pro Professor Insights, Prof Insights from Concordia Seminary. It's faculty-led workshop series. And uh, tell us about this workshop that's coming up. Yeah, uh, again, the the all of our all of our workshops have had to go online this summer because of COVID restrictions. I was originally scheduled to go to Grand Junction, Colorado, to do this particular workshop, as I've done it uh, in a variety of states uh, and cities for the last ten years or so. Um, so yeah, I was looking forward to being in Grand Junction uh, during August for a few days, but. We had to shut all of our travel plans down, and uh, Erica Bennett, who is our director of continuing ed, has worked hard to get all of our various faculty workshops in online. And so many of my colleagues are doing some sort of 
of uh, workshop, uh, whether it's in systematic theology or exegetical or practical theology. Uh, they're doing workshops online as well, but I'm doing one specifically then on the topic of the book, Making Christian Counseling More Christ-Centered. I've been doing a similar workshop for, like I said, 10 years or so around around the United States, but that one is accessible for anybody in the United States this year uh, because we're not geographically constricted to Grand Junction. Uh, usually when I've done these workshops, there'd be like, you know, eight or 10 people from the particular locale and then about another six or eight people that traveled a few hundred miles to come to the workshop and had to spend money for overnight stay and things like that. But uh, in this case, they can stay in their own home and we're going to try to spread it out where there's four hours on one day, I think two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon uh, for two days, and then two hours in the morning for the for the third day. So it's not too much for, you know, we don't expect people to sit in front of their computer for four or five hours at a time, but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, hopefully we can do a good quality workshop and people that are interested can uh, go to the website and uh, for Concordia Seminary, uh, try to find Erica Bennett, um uh, and continuing at office and uh, sign up for that very, very soon. We'll so. provide the link in the, the program mm-hmm. notes today as well. You can find them at kfuo.org oh, as well. And we just have a few seconds left. I know you have another workshop coming up in September for, uh, this is with Concordia University, Wisconsin and Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. This is continuing education for pastors. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Pastors and counselors. Um, uh, yeah. It's, Scripture in counseling, so it's not really directly on on just the book topic, but uh, one episode will be scriptural counseling, another will be counseling through trauma and tragedy, another episode will be just kind of pastoral care during this COVID time, and then a fourth episode, which uh, Dr. Dan Pavela from Concordia, mm-hmm. Wisconsin, is doing, uh, counseling a fellow shepherd. Um, so yeah, those will also be videotaped and available online. Uh, I think around, I don't have the date in my head, September 6th or something like that. Early September is when that particular workshop uh, starts. We'll we'll share that in the program notes today as well. The Reverend Dr. Richard Mars, Associate Professor of Practical Theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, author of Making Christian Counseling More Christ-Centered. Check out the workshops. We'll share those links in the program notes today. Thanks so much, Dr. Mars, for being our guest today. Well, thank you very much, uh, both of you, Andy. uh, Appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. 0524 KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere.